Well, hey, hope young adults, welcome to Community Conversations. This is, Mackenzie just told the funniest joke. You guys missed it. Um, she'll tell it again later. Um, we are talking through different relevant topics that we think are important uh, that, uh, you know, that are challenging for us. We have invited Mackenzie Kohler in to have a conversation about burnout, the mm-hmm. idea of burnout. Uh, and whenever I first mentioned that to you, you kind of lit up over it. Yes, very passionate about burnout. And I think it the same time, I feel like I'm the least qualified person to talk about burnout because it does happen to me often and I don't feel like I handle it well. But on the flip side, I almost feel like I'm the most qualified person to talk about it because it does happen to me so often. And I've learned a lot about dealing with burnout. Yeah, well, that's awesome because that wasn't the reason <laughs> we asked you. We did, uh, you kind of look at the landscape of people in and around uh, the different circles that we're in and you go, man, Mackenzie Kohler, she's got it. She's got it together. She's always doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow her on the gram at, at Mackie Joe. Mackie Joe Kohler. Mackie Joe Kohler. She's in the Utah mountains one week on vacation or Delaware for a wedding or coaching lacrosse and what all are you involved in? Yeah, right great now? question. I need to reference my list that I made <laughs> earlier. Uh, I My day job is that I work in sales at Lenovo, which is wonderful and so great. And it allows me to participate in other things that I love outside of work, such as I teach boot camp classes at the local YMCA Monday okay. mornings at 545 if anyone wants to join. I coach a travel lacrosse team in the summer and the fall. And then in the spring, I actually coach a varsity lacrosse team at Green Level High School. What's the record? I don't know. Were you good? <laughs> we, d- we have a winning record. We winning. broke 500 this past year. It was our second season heading into our third season this spring. Oh, all right. Let's yes. go girls. And then I also lead Young Life at Green Level, same place where I coach at. I lead a small group of young professional women through Hope on Monday nights. And then I'm also the treasurer of the HOA, the Homeowners Association in my neighborhood. That's good. And a puppy owner? Yes. And I have a 10-month-old golden retriever. Hi, buddy. (laughs) He watches podcasts. That's good guy. Well done. Golden Retrievers are very smart That's yeah. all, and, and loyal yeah. uh, to the brand. That's good. Well, that's uh, there's a lot going on there. So there's a social life mixed into that. Yes, a social life, some sleep <laughs> sometimes. I do, and I love working out. I love spending time with friends. Right. Well, there we go. So now you know what's on the sketch for Mackenzie Kohler. Uh, as we talk about burnout, I mean, it's it applies differently to everybody. Not everybody might experience a level of uh, overcommitting uh, or whatever that looks like. How would we define burnout? Yes. Yeah, so well, first of all, I do want to acknowledge that there are kind of two different categories when I think of burnout. One is that I think of things that we are obligated to do. For example, people that get burnt out because they're working two to three jobs just to stay alive and feed their families and provide for the homes that they're living in. And the other side of burnout is kind of like what Matt just said of, you know, maybe we've overcommitted ourselves and maybe we've brought this burnout upon ourselves. But the internet defines burnout. Uh, It says that it's most commonly described as an exhausted state in which a person loses interest in a particular activity or even life in general. Burnout can be a state of emotional, physical, social, or even spiritual exhaustion. It also says that many times burnout is the result of an extended period of exertion of a particular task with no end in sight, and that burnout can be from carrying too many burdens. Oh, yeah. 
Well, there's yeah. a lot going on. There's a lot, a lot going out, going on, and even like the definition of burnout. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that it's emotional, mental, mm-hmm. physical, all these things are kind of woven together. We've really kind of landed on this idea of wholeness as a theme, and how all of these things really are woven even within us. Uh, where if we're not emotionally healthy, it might affect our spiritual life, mm-hmm. and or that might affect our physical health or well-being, uh, body image stuff like that. So. It is all woven together. Um, there was a resource put out, I think it was released during uh, quarantine. It was whenever I first heard of it called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, written by the great John Mark Comer. And uh, the you've read this book. I have read it. Yeah, it's an easy read. It's yeah. super, um, it's like a, told in, through the author's perspective. This was my experience. He was a pastor that was at a big church just running at a high pace. And it's like, I don't think this is healthy for me. So then he kind of shut things down. He ruthlessly eliminated his hurry. Yep. Um, and I am not a page turner. It's, it's a short book. It's 140 pages or so. Uh, but I, I audible the business out of books. I'm always listening to either a podcast or a book uh, or the sound of an Amazon show or something <laughs> when I'm alone. But I, to, this is my experience with, uh, I don't know, over committing or trying to keep up with the pace of life, I listened to that book on Audible instead of sitting down reading it and processing it. Uh, I listened to it at two times speed, and I listened to it at two times speed while I was power washing my house. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a ton of stuff in that book that's probably super uh, yeah helpful. Yeah. I don't know what it is. You missed it. You really <laughs> missed. You missed the whole point of it. <laughs> yeah, there is some. I mean, the one thing I do recall from that uh, that I have thought of several times in the year since that I read it. Uh, and I do refer to audibling as reading, so cause it makes me feel smarter. But it uh, was, you might not be actually as busy as you are. You might be overwhelmed uh, by the things that you're committed to. Uh, do you ever get that sense of, I mean, you just listed off all these things, but do you ever, when you have a sense of burnout or overwhelmingness, uh, do you think, I have too much going on, i got to shut things down? Yes, absolutely. And I think... My thought process with that is that I have to stop everything at once, that my whole life has to come to a screeching halt in order for me to not feel burnt out. That's kind of my experience with, with when I feel like I've overcommitted. It's not, oh, maybe I'll just say no to one thing in the future. It's everything has to stop. I have to put my whole life on hold. And the way that I normally know when that's happening is I'll get home at night from teaching boot camp in the morning, spending a full day at work, coaching lacrosse, going to Young Life, and this overwhelming sense of, I just got through today and now I have to do it all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's this feeling of trying to keep my head above water and I find myself starting to live for the future of, okay, if I can just make it to the weekend or if I can just make it like through this lacrosse season or if I can just make it you know, through all my meetings on the schedule tomorrow, like then I'll take a breath and that's not how life plays out at all. No, that's a real, that's a great observation. That is a fear I have anytime I think if I can get through this weekend, things will calm down. And that became true to me whenever we had kids. And we've got these little munchkins that are, I mean, babies are great, but they also don't sleep and cry. And there was a period where Henry, our youngest, did not sleep. Like he looked like a zombie and he hated nighttime. Um, But there was this thing was like these moments matter don't pray to get beyond this season 
And that has kind of carried into this other phase of like, anytime I have that thought, if I can get through next Thursday, if I can get to next two, if I can get to the holidays, it is like a red flag of I have absolutely overdone it. Um, so you say like your response is to shut it all down. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you combat? I mean, is that the best approach for you or is there something better you, we should be doing in those moments? Yeah, I would say that's my instant thought is, okay, I need to stop everything, but that's not realistic because Mm -hmm. I've already committed to things almost so far in the future and I don't go back on my commitments. So if Mm -hmm. I've committed to something, I will see it through. So I would say in reality, when I do feel overwhelmed or when I feel burnt out, the very first thing that I do is one, I would love if it was, I went to Jesus, but sometimes Mm -hmm. that's not always how, how it plays out. I would say when I'm healthy and I'm feeling burnt out, I wanna tell other people in my life that I am feeling burnt out. And Matt Chandler has said this, and it's really stuck with me. He says that you can't fight the devil in the dark. And that's how I feel about burnout, that I can't fight it by myself in the dark without anybody else knowing about it. So if you ask my mom, you know, a lot of times I'll call her, and if I had plans with her, or if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll call her and just say, mom, I'm exhausted, I'm hungry, I feel like I have too many things on my plate, And I'll kind of let her into that feeling of burnout um, because I found that that is way healthier for me than bottling it all up because eventually I release all of that emotion and all that anger and frustration Mm -hmm. on the people that I love the most. So that's my first step is to talk to other people about it and bring them in because oftentimes they can provide encouragement and wisdom and speak into me what I am too far deep in the burnout to speak over myself. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, community always matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's a first step, way to go. I mean, Jesus is absolutely better. Yes. <laughs> uh, but bringing people into that uh, is a big deal for sure. Um, the You're an Enneagram 3. I am. Classic achiever. By the book. Do you think some of that uh, go-ness in you, got to be doing things, is that like this, I need to get approval or accomplish things, or is that just like FOMO, like I don't want to miss out on mm-hmm. whatever, like why do so much? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. <laughs> and I would say it depends if I'm in the healthy part of me that wants to see God's will in my life played out through like doing these things in being involved in Young Life in a small group, or there's a lot of times where I commit to things or I do things out of a very unhealthy place of feeling like I need to seek the approval of others, mm-hmm. or really a lot of it comes down to my own pride. I think that, you know, if, if I don't do this, nobody else will, when that's not true at all. And if I don't do it, somebody else definitely will. And they could even do it better if they're giving their everything to it, because maybe I'm only able to give 20 or 30 percent. Right. So I'd say the healthy side of me does a lot of things because I know that God has given me a passion to be involved in ministry. The un- unhealthy part of me says yes to things out of a need to please other people or seek their approval or my pride thinking that nobody else would do it if I don't. Right. It's like uh, the hard part of that is it's kind of where you get your value on some sense, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you, I mean, whenever we identify those things that give us value, um, mm-hmm. it's helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we are aware, but sometimes those are innate, right? Some of the times it's we were raised in mm-hmm. homes that were in a, for an achiever that high expectation mm-hmm. um, was put on you, or you saw your parents model achievement and wanted mm-hmm. to gain their approval or whatever. Uh, how do you curb that mm-hmm. uh, and 
not work towards the approval of people. Galatians 1.10, mm-hmm. you know, am I trying to get the approval of men or the approval of God? Mm. I would say by letting God take it all away from you. Mm-hmm. I used to think in high school, in all of college, I played Division One lacrosse, was the captain of my team, won the homecoming queen, got my MBA in four years, did all of these things. And Wait, you could do my taxes? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not well. Oh, um, <laughs> but I just remember by the end of my senior year of college, I had this terrible fear that everyone around me only wanted to be friends with me because of what I'd accomplished. And it was crippling. And because then it fed this this really unhealthy habit of, well, I have to keep accomplishing things or everybody around me isn't going to like me anymore. And then six months after I graduated college, I had the opportunity to go to Germany and work there for six months. And I was by myself. Nobody spoke English. I lived alone. None of my coworkers talked to me. And I was so lonely. But God stripped everything that I had ever accomplished. He kind of stripped that away because I wasn't going to go introduce myself and say, hey, I'm Mackenzie Kohler. Here's a list of my accomplishments and why you should like me. Mm -hmm. But instead, I made the best friends through Hillsong Church there. And I remember thinking like, wait, you guys really like me? And like, you don't even know, you don't know all these things that I've done. You don't know everything I've accomplished and you guys like me anyway. Mm -hmm. And for me, it really just took God taking all that away in comforting me and in his grace, showing me like, hey, People don't like you because of what you've accomplished. And that's not why Jesus died for you. Like Jesus died and took my place because of who God is. Yeah, that's good. Those are, uh, those are formative, you know, growth yeah. tensions um, that I feel, like, I, mean, I feel like I've experienced a little bit of that differently. I've never been to Germany, um, but I like schnitzel. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that something like you've been back in the States two years mm-hmm. since then? Is that something that's silence and solitude mixed in with a little bit of godly community? Is that something that was hard to come back to, to just reintegrate into American way of life where we produce and we do? Yes. Uh, and when, even when we introduce people, uh, we say, what's your name and what do you do? Yep. How do you attribute to the rest of us? Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Uh, was it hard to integrate back into normal America? Yes. I would almost equate it to kind of what we're seeing post-COVID, where our lives were put on hold for so long, Mm. and now we're trying to figure out, you know, how do I go to school and do my homework and be involved in the extracurricular activities? Like, how do I keep up the pace of life that I had pre-COVID because it seems so difficult now? And that's how I felt coming back. I felt, one, very unknown by the people around me because Mm -hmm. I had experienced so much growth there. And then, two, it took a lot of habit formation for me to practice the Sabbath and to practice solitude. And in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, another great book, the author talks about we need to divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And that's kind of a cadence that I've been working on the past two years is how do I... Yeah, unpack those three things. Yeah, how do I divert daily? So how am I spending time alone with the Lord every day? And for me, that's when I wake up, I don't have like a sit down, quiet time reading my Bible. I get up and either I work out or I walk my dog and like that is my quiet time with the Lord. Hmm. So I'm like praying as I'm walking my dog or spending time alone away from people. And then that's diverting daily is kind of just like quiet time, devotional, 
withdraw weekly. That would be our Sabbath. So how are we withdrawing from our world every single week, ideally for an entire day? And something I learned about the Sabbath is that, you know, that it doesn't mean like sleeping all day for 24 hours. Right. It doesn't mean laying on the couch. It means doing any activity that provides rest that isn't work, yeah. which naturally rest is not work. So that could be like going on a walk with your friends or going to work out if that provides rest. Um, and yeah, so that's withdraw weekly. And then abandon annually is trying to get away, get out of your day-to-day atmosphere mm-hmm. once a year. And thankfully, I have the opportunity to do that more than once a year. Uh, but I just, Matt mentioned, I took a trip to Utah for two weeks and didn't have cell service, was backpacking through a couple different national parks and just so much rest for my soul. There was so much silence, so much solitude. And that's kind of what I've been trying to practice since coming back from Germany. That's awesome. Um, I think, so here's an interesting, I think, cultural thing in the church is we hear this, back to divert daily, like we hear quiet time, time with Jesus, and there is like this tension because not all of us are great at that, uh, myself included in that. It doesn't always look the same. And it's interesting for you to say, that might be a walk with my dog. Mm -hmm. That might be just silence and solitude. It doesn't mean I have to have a 40-day plan to read through the entirety of the Bible or whatever that means, but it's just spending time intentionally with Mm -hmm. God, uh, listening maybe Mm -hmm. even more. Uh, David does this thing that I think is really helpful. They call it a breathing prayer where you're breathing in truths Mm -hmm. about yourself, truths about God from Scripture. Um, And I think that's those are powerful things. Um, That's one of my practice. When I do feel overwhelmed, um, either by the hurry of life or burnout or um, the imposter syndrome, like I don't, I don't have whatever it takes to do this thing that's in front of me. Um, that is one of the more helpful things is just repeating back Matthew six thirty three mm-hmm. or Second Corinthians twelve nine. These different truths, um, Ephesians two, Philippians one. You know, different stuff about uh, what God is doing in me and that I'm already loved in this place of who I am. Not that I have to be more Christian, you know? Yes. So that's great. Yeah. And that kind of makes you think of, uh, you know, when you're on an airplane and the flight attendant is talking about the safety protocols and here she says, you know, make sure that you put your oxygen mask on before you put anybody else's on. We don't apply that to other parts of our lives that we should. For example, mm-hmm. with burnout, we cannot be in close relationship in our relationships can't flourish and our jobs can't flourish unless first like our souls are are like breathing and well rested and mm-hmm. there's a part in the ruthless elimination of hurry where um john mark comer is talking about there was an african tribe and a european guy came in and he wanted to get into um like into the rainforest as quickly as possible and this african tribe was carrying like all of his supplies and so he's you know trying to go as many miles as they can in a day and one morning no one from this African tribe would move. They're like, we're not walking today. He's like, what do you mean? Like, I'll give you more money. I'll do this. And he's like, why won't you, why can't we proceed? And they said, we're waiting for our souls to catch up to our bodies. Oh, wow. And I just think that that's the most profound statement is how often are our bodies moving so fast and we left our souls like weeks ago back in the hustle and in the hurry. Yeah. And our bodies are moving often, I think, especially in the church, um, probably even outside of it, is to gain the approval of the 
God, gain the approval yeah. of life. I'm doing all the right things. There's a, another a different book, um, Cry Like a Man, Jason Wilson, where he says uh, something along the lines of, I'm just going to have to read it. Working to gain the acceptance of God is one thing that we are doing versus working out of the acceptance of God. And whenever we're working out of the acceptance of God, that you're already made full and complete and whole and there's peace. Uh, and the things that you're doing, you're doing with God as opposed to trying to get him to like you or not be mad at you. And I think that's where I lived for a long time is like, God, yep. please don't be pissed off at me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And something kind of going off of that, if we think about when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and was then tempted by the devil, a lot of times we talk about that story of, wow, Jesus, he was so strong, even in his hunger and he was tired. You know, when I'm tired and I'm hungry, that's not how I'm going to react to the devil. You know, I would succumb to the temptation. But I think if we flip that and look, Jesus had just spent 40 days in silence and solitude with his father he was the strongest he ever was to fight mm -hmm. against the devil. Yeah. And I think we a lot of times look externally for strength when we can really only take the strength from that God provides. Yep. And Matt mentioned, you just mentioned it too, but 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Paul's talking about, he says that Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults, in hardships and persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that is just not the way that I think sometimes. <laughs> I think that because Mackenzie is strong, like that's why I can keep doing things. But really, it's out of my weakness that God can come in and shine. Yeah. And if that's not what I want, then am I even a follower of Jesus? Mm, that's good. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, God's really been like taking me through is this idea of resilience and what that looks like. And it's kind of a, that is a yellow flag for me. Like, what do we mean when we talk about resilience, especially in the church? Because I grew up in West Texas. Like, there are a tough-minded people, and it is a boot, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. And that's what resilience looks like. And spiritual resilience is totally different. It is this. It is the source of anything I am doing has to come from God. Um, and that's where those habits of repeating Scripture back to me is super helpful. Um, there's this, you know, back in the spirit of kind of the overwhelming world, um, I'm pretty sure it's David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, but he's kind of talking through, he's a Navy SEAL, and he's talking through what BUDS looks like, the training that they go through. And he says um, that... The guys who end up, or women, I don't know, the guys who end up um, bailing out of becoming a Navy SEAL during the training, they have to go ring this bell. And it's every time, it's not because they can't do the thing that's right in front of them. It's the mind game of, I can't do this for another month. Yep. I can't do it for another 24 hours or whatever it is. It's like that overwhelming thing. And we are given, as believers, this like eternal perspective of, this, this is, you are a mist, you know, um, this is a long game and God is with us and we're all in this process of figuring out burnout, figuring out what it means to spend time with God or just be intimately known by God. I think those are super key things in, uh, in identifying what burnout looks like. Yeah. 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 And if we, if we break it down too, if you do not believe in Jesus and you have not trusted him as your personal savior and know for a fact that means that you get to go to heaven and spend all of eternity there, 
of course you would struggle with burnout. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you think that this life is all you have to live, then of course you're going to be worried about how can I accomplish all the things that I want to? How can I make a name for myself? How can I leave a yeah. legacy for myself? Then of course you're going to spend your whole life burnt out because you're never going to be able to do that. Yeah. But as believers in God's grace, we don't have to worry about that because he's given us eternity in heaven. And on top of that, he said, even if you accomplish nothing, Mm -hmm. if the rest of your life, you did not do a single thing to further God's kingdom, to make any money, like if you didn't accomplish a single thing, you're still getting to go to heaven for all of eternity. So I think it's kind of with Christianity as a whole, a good rule of thumb is anything that the world says to do, if we do the opposite, that's probably what God is wanting us to do. Like the world says, run a million miles an hour, make a name for yourself. God's saying, no, talk about your weaknesses, Mm. boast in your weaknesses, because then people are going to see my strength. Yeah, God's economy is totally, it is the upside down, Yeah, uh, but less scary. Stranger (laughs) Things is a wild thing. Well, thanks a ton, Mackenzie, for having this conversation. I think, you know, even as you're talking, um, there's just so much more, I feel Mm. like, that I can do, um, that we can do probably. Um, to lean into what God has for us in, in those spaces of rest. I think pace of life is something that we don't think we're in control of and mm-hmm. we're victims of, and uh, you have the power to control your schedule on some level. So um, let's lean into those things. Uh, you got anything to add? I would just say one, one parting piece that sticks with me is that you're not going to do this perfectly. Nobody right. is. Jesus was perfect. He's the one that went away for 40 days to spend time alone with the Lord. And you're not going to be perfect, but you do need to start somewhere. And the best place to start is abiding in Jesus. And when we abide in Jesus, he's going to give us the strength to battle burnout. It's not up to us. The burden is not on us. Jesus has already taken the burden. And all we have to do is say, all right, here I am. I need help. Yeah. Preach, girl. That's it. That's (laughs) That's all. Uh, Well, that's a conversation on burnout. We appreciate you guys for being here. Um, We will catch you next time.